0: You are locked on MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the major league baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. In today's episode, we talk about the National League East in a preview for the 2020 season, Assuming we have one, this show is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Player FM, Pod, being all the places where you get your podcasts, when you get in your car, or when you use your smart device at home. Tell it to Play podcast Lockdown MLB, or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We're on Twitter at MLB underscore net. We're also on Instagram at Lockdown MLB. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast, on Instagram. Well, we are continuing our preview of the season, assuming we have one, and we are going to be having highlights from each one of the On hosts, and including Scott Cullen from Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, who will be telling you his picks for someone on each team to draft and consider for your fantasy team first up they didn't win the world series but they did win the division the atlanta braves and dylan short of lockdown braves
2: hey everybody this is dylan short host of locked on braves for our season preview surrounding the atlanta braves a lot of questions a lot of concerns the biggest seven are what are the one or two biggest storylines surrounding my team this season The biggest storyline, obviously, can the Braves get over the postseason hump for the first time in 19 years? Can they win a playoff series and bounce back from that Game 5 debacle against the Cardinals last season? Another lesser storyline to monitor is how are guys like Cole Hamels and Felix Hernandez going to assimilate into this rotation, this rotation held by the young arms of Mike Soroka and Max Fried? Can they hold up over the course of a season? Can they perform when the pressure is on them and they're no longer taking anyone by surprise? The starting rotation is going to be the biggest storyline surrounding this Braves lineup. Overall, I think they're in great hands. What is the best case scenario for the team and what needs to happen to realize it? Best case scenario for the Atlanta Braves this year is a World Series victory. While I'm not entirely certain I would pick them over the Dodgers at this point, if they want to get there, It's pretty easy. The rotation just has to be good enough to get to the bullpen. The Braves spent a ton of money solidifying their bullpen to where they can kind of accommodate the new three batter minimum. No worries about lefty-righty splits as everybody in this bullpen has spent time in the back end of bullpens closing down games and performing really, really well. Went out and signed Will Smith to come in and be an eraser in the Josh Hader type of mold to be able to come in against the the most important part of the lineups in whatever inning it happens to be and wipe them out, allowing Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Chris Martin, uh, Darren O'Day, Luke Jackson, all to be able to to get closing opportunities or, or higher leverage situations. Going to be fascinating to watch how they're used with manager Brian Snicker. Worst case scenario for the team conversely would be a third or fourth place finish in the division. I'm not one of these Braves fans that completely writes off the Phillies even though they only finished 500 last season. That's a dangerous, dangerous team. The question on the Phillies is always going to be their starting rotation as they've spent a ton of money on their position players. They've gotten much better defensively. For the Braves, that worst case would be the starting rotation falters. Soroka or Freed, for whatever reason, have down seasons. Mike fulton doesn't get back on track. Cole Hamels is done. Felix Hernandez is done. One of the young guys doesn't step up. All of a sudden, the Braves have a starting rotation that, instead of being probably third in the division, drops to fourth and really holds the team back. Or you have a, a key injury to somebody like Ronald Acuna or Freddie Freeman Guys who are so important to the team and their success that if they were to go down, you just can't replace them. I don't think that's a very big possibility, but injuries are crazy. We never know who's going to get injured. So if the Braves want to avoid a worst-case scenario, the name of the game is keeping Ronald Acuna Jr. in the lineup. The top position player to watch, obviously, is Ronald Acuna Jr., not just the best player on this team to watch, but one of the most exciting players in all of Major League Baseball. He's got the power. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. Ronald Acuna Jr. is a bona fide superstar. He and Juan Soto going back and forth for years is going to be a, a battle to watch for everybody. He's such a young guy, 22 years old, barely missed 40-40 last season, says he's aiming for 50-50. Ronald Acuna Jr. is looking to place in the top five of baseball players this season. Look for him to take a huge jump and to continue to be one of the most exciting players in all of baseball to watch. The top pitcher, I'm going to say Mike Soroka. There's a lot riding on Mike Soroka. He's the number one of the rotation as the Braves don't have Julio Tehran starting opening day for the first time in six years. Mike Soroka, we've seen what he can do. He's so wise beyond his years, a guy that knows how to pitch. He's kind of a throwback to the control pitchers of old. That doesn't mean that he's Kyle Hendricks, though, as he's got a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, 94-mile-an-hour sinker, a top-notch slider, and a changeup in his repertoire as well. Soroka just knows how to pitch to contact, and in this day and age of juice balls and home runs going everywhere, Mike Soroka's number one trait, his ability to keep the ball in the yard. Should he stay healthy this season, Mike Soroka will cement himself as one of the best pitchers in the National League, if not one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Some of the rookies who could make an impact debut this season, everybody's going to expect me to say Christian Pache or Drew Waters. I don't think either one of them are particularly great bets to make an a impact debut or really a debut at all. The Braves' outfield is loaded five players deep. If you're looking for a rookie to watch, Kyle Wright, who still retains his rookie eligibility, is certainly a name. We've seen him all spring, absolutely dominant. The other name to keep an eye on, Ian Anderson, the number one pitching prospect in the Atlanta system. Got a little bit of time in Gwinnett last year. He's going to be in Gwinnett this season. Ian Anderson has top-notch stuff. There's a reason why he was drafted as highly as he was. Obliterating fastball, a great changeup, and a large sweeping type of curveball. Ian Anderson, a guy that the Braves absolutely love. And when he cracks the rotation, most likely he is there to stay. Look for that name if you want an impact debut. How is this season going to end for Atlanta? I think at the very least, this Atlanta team is going to break that curse. They should have won the NLDS last year. I think they rectify that mistake. They get rid of that weird voodoo magic that the Cardinals seem to have. And the Braves are able to win 94 games with the loss of Josh Donaldson by replacing him with Marcel Zuna and a better season from Austin Riley and Johan Camargo. Adding in Cole Hamels and Felix Hernandez to a rotation of young arms should help them kind of navigate the swells of the season as this Atlanta Braves team is much more well-rounded than they were a season ago. I look for the Braves to at least make it to the NLCS where they'll take on the Dodgers. After that, the sky's the limit. We've seen this Braves team and what they can do. 2020 should be a heck of a season for the Atlanta Braves.
3: Hello, Braves fans. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, with a couple of players for you to consider going into the 2020 Major League Baseball season. First baseman Freddie Freeman, there's something to be said for the consistent production and Freeman is that player that you plug into your lineup and don't need to worry about. In the past four seasons, he's averaging 98 runs, 31 home runs, 95 RBIs, and a 303 batting average. Not only is that great all on its own, but at a first-base position that is no longer a deep source of productivity, Freeman stands out even more. Now, a player to be cautious about is shortstop Dansby Swanson. It's entirely reasonable to think that Swanson is a potential breakout candidate this season. And another to still prefer most, if not all, of his teammates relative to their position competition. Swanson has continued to improve, and last season was entirely respectable for middle infield consideration. But compared to the rest of his teammates,
1: I'm not exactly rushing to get shares in Dansby Swanson. The Washington Nationals did not win the division. But, as a consolation prize, they won the World Series. Which one would you want? Moving into the 2020 season, talking about the champs, It is the host of Locked On Nationals, Mr. Josh Neighbors.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Josh Neighbors from the Locked On Nationals podcast, bringing you the 2020 quick rundown preview of the Washington Nationals. First up, two biggest storylines coming into this season. You got to think it's number one, the bullpen, and winning the championship is the one big one. But when we talk about this season, the bullpen is where you have to start. They made a couple moves in the offseason to address that bullpen that was uh, one of the worst in the league. And I think the big one that everybody saw was Will Harris coming from the Astros, getting a three-year contract. They're hoping that he will stabilize things in the back end. And they're also to get able to get Ryan Harper from the Minnesota Twins. We'll see what his addition will do. News just came out this weekend that uh, Hunter Strickland would be cut from the team. So that experiment did not work out. He was not able to... Um, come in that slider and also had issues, just didn't miss a whole lot of bats. So uh, the Nationals, once again, that bullpen is in flux. And the other big story is no more Anthony Rendon. And so that's the, the big question for the Nationals is, can Carter Keboom, uh be a serviceable third baseman? Will he work out at that position? Uh, it's just kind of a waiting game to see. Best case scenario, I think, this year for the Nationals is winning the division. It's one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball, probably the most competitive division in the NL East. If they can get Juan Soto kind of uh, on track, I mean, he, you know he, he's in, headed the right direction as he is now. If he handles things well and is able to keep going on that superstar track and the pitching is able to remain healthy, which is the big question mark considering what they were asked to do last season, I think they're going to have a good shot to win the division. But once again, with the Mets and the Braves, and don't forget the Phillies as well too, uh, they'll be competitive if those things happen, and even if it is the best case scenario, they might not win the division. So I'd say making the playoffs is the best case scenario, and we all know once you're there, it, it is a crapshoot. Worst case scenario for this team, I mean, it could be having that World Series hangover, right? You, you think about uh, what this team accomplished last year, and a lot of things could go wrong for them, and that pitching staff could get injured. Could get injured. Uh, Carter Kiboom might not pan out. And it might not be. Uh, he might not be ready yet. So if those things happen, I think the Nationals could slide into mediocrity because the division is so good. Um, I'm not expecting that, but that could definitely happen. And um, not sure you could fault them uh, if it did, if they did. A top player on this team, obviously, from a positional standpoint, it's got to be Juan Soto. And the big question is, um, what will he look like without Anthony Rendon? Uh, they're not going to ask him to fill the void, obviously, You know, and, and produce more. Um, but I'm just wondering to see what his approach looks like. Losing a guy in a lineup like Rendon, having him hit near you is a big comfort, especially for a young guy, but Soto's a professional. He's been getting better each day. He's a hungry guy and a fun player as well, too, so he's got to be the guy to watch this year, Um, and he's definitely a candidate to win the MVP in the National League. Top pitcher to watch. Well, you know when it comes to the starting pitching, that's where you have to look. How affected will Scherzer and guys like Strasburg and Corbin be after the strain that was put on them last year. For Scherzer, 34 years old, has logged a lot of innings. We'll see what he looks like. Can he, you know, uh, he'll always miss bats it appears. Um keeping the ball inside the ballpark and and keeping the ERA low. We'll see if he's able to do that this season. Uh you know, I think he'll have some struggles, but I'm expecting the strikeouts to definitely be there for for Scherzer. For Strasburg, he's got to keep it rolling. Great season last year and he, rec- he really realize what we thought he could be, he's got to keep that going this season um, if the Nats are going to have a chance to to recreate what they had last year. Guys you got to look out for, Carter Keyboom, the third baseman, he's got to be on your list. And if he doesn't work out, Luis Garcia as well too, they can fast-track him and get him up to the majors. He might be called upon to play that third base if Cabrera, Astrubo Cabrera, or Carter Keboom uh, don't work out. My guess is I think the Nationals do snag a wild card this season. I think they will be able to make a run uh, to get to the postseason. And that would be a really successful season considering uh, what they lost and and what they accomplished last year and the demands, and especially the demands of their division and having a target on your back of being the World Series champion. So the Nats can snag a wild card if they can make the playoffs. Um, That's what I'm expecting, but I would consider it a successful season.
3: Hello, Nationals fans. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked on Fantasy Baseball with a couple of players for you to consider going into the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Although he hasn't been very durable, aside from playing 162 games in 2018, shortstop Trey Turner is a massive threat because of his stolen base totals. He has 159 stolen bases in 482 career games, which puts him just under a 50-steal pace in a 150-game season. Add in enough power to have back-to-back 19 home run seasons, and that high ceiling is what keeps me coming back to Turner, even if injuries might lead to some disappointment. Now, a player I might be avoiding on the Nationals is third baseman Carter Kiboom. It's certainly possible that Kaboom, a 2016 first-round pick, will see the majority of the action at third base for the Nationals this season. But it's also possible that the 22-year-old isn't yet ready to be a productive major leaguer at a difficult and deep position. It's still worth considering him later in drafts, playing for potential, but he's young enough that uncertainty exists.
1: It's never easy being a Mets fan, but it could be looking up. If their talent continues to blossom, Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets gives his thoughts.
5: This is Ryan Finkelstein, host of Locked On Mets, giving you your season preview. And the two biggest storylines for the Mets coming into this year are, one, can they get back into the playoffs for the first time since 2016? They feature the two-time reigning NL Cy Young, Jacob deGrom, but have not done enough winning despite his heroics. So can they get DeGrom back into that dance in October? That is obviously the biggest storyline. But the other one that happens off the field is will the Mets be sold during this season? They were already potentially sold once in the offseason. That fell apart. The Wilpons have put the team back up for auction. Do they get sold, and if they do, who buys the team and for how much? Alex Rodriguez is potentially interested. So that is something to keep in mind and monitor throughout this season. What's the best case scenario for the Mets? Well, I think every team comes into spring training and says, best case scenario, we go on a run and win the World Series. The Miami Marlins technically right now have just as good of a chance as anyone to find themselves at the mountaintop at the end of the season. In regards to the Mets, they have the talent to potentially win it all. They just saw the Washington Nationals win World Series based on a couple of things. Some superstar position players, the Mets have that in Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil. And great starting pitching, which the Mets obviously have in spades with DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, and Marcus Stroman. So they can absolutely go on a run. The worst case scenario for this team is the bottom falls out from under them. And they do not make the playoffs as we have seen over the last couple of years. We saw in 2019 the bullpen really hurt the Mets all year long. The Mets are relying on bounce back years from Edwin Diaz, Jeriz Familia, and Dylan Batansis to come off of an injury and perform. So can the bullpen actually play up? Will the starting rotation be as healthy as it was in 2019? And can these position players continue to build off of a great year last year where we saw the ascension of Alonzo McNeil, J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, and so many more? Who is the top position player to watch? Well, that's someone that I haven't even mentioned, and that's why I'm going to say Ahmed Rosario. Pin Alonzo might have better numbers at the end of the year. Maybe Jeff McNeil does as well. But as the shortstop, Ahmed Rosario has shown steady progression throughout the first couple of years of his big league career. And he is still only 24 years old. So I think Ahmed Rosario can jump on the scene this year and have a really big breakout year. Who is the top pitcher to watch? Everyone likes DeGrom, everyone thinks Noah Syndergaard has the potential to be great, but I'm going to mention Marcus Stroman as someone who's in a contract year, finally comfortable pitching for his hometown team after being traded there mid-season last year. I expect a big year out of Marcus Stroman. Are there any rookies that are going to make an impact this year? Andres Jimenez is a shortstop prospect that could fill in anywhere around the diamond, If there is an injury, he led the Arizona Fall League in hitting and has shown up and had a pretty good spring. So Andres Jimenez is one name to watch. And the other would be David Peterson, a left-handed starting pitcher who appears close to the big leagues. Again, if injuries open up a spot in that rotation, Peterson could be the guy. What is my prediction for how this season ends for the New York Mets? It's tough to say. you got a really good division in the NL East. A lot of teams are trying to contend there. The Braves are the odds-on favorite, and I agree with that, but I think the Mets had the best puncher's chance in this division with their upper echelon talent to actually give the Braves a run for their money. I think the Mets make this a somewhat close division race, and ultimately they grab one of those two wild card spots and are going to play that one-game playoff, and from there... Anything can happen. If you want to know more about the Mets and want to stay posted on all things going on in Flushing, Queens, check out Locked On Mets every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.
3: Hello, Mets fans. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, with a couple of players for you to consider in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. He's coming off the worst season of his career, but 27-year-old Noah Syndergaard had a low strand rate. the highest home run fly ball rate of his career. Thor still has elite velocity and his stuff makes him capable of performing like an ace. If there's a positive to take from last season it's that he pitched 197 in two-thirds innings because even if results weren't ideal in 2019 a healthy Syndergaard has a chance to be a difference maker. Now a pitcher I'm not as high on is right-handed pitcher Rick Porcello. The 2016 American League Cy Young winner may not be too highly regarded after posting a 5.52 ERA last season but this is me doubling down on all plans to avoid Porcello this season too. Full credit to Porcello for staying healthy. He's never started in fewer than than 27 games in any of his 11 Major League seasons, but he gives up too many home runs and doesn't miss enough bats. Above all else, Porcello's mediocre strikeout rate is the primary reason that I'll look elsewhere for starting pitching.
1: The Phillies have a new manager with Joe Girardi. Tim Kelly of Lockdown Phillies gives his thoughts of what could be an interesting season in Philadelphia.
0: Hey guys, I'm Tim Kelly, host of Locked On Phillies, and I wanted to take time to break down some of the biggest questions facing the Phillies today. The biggest storyline facing the Phillies in 2020 is quite simple. The team has not been to the postseason since 2011. They've spent a ton of money over the past two offseasons to be able to improve and get back to that point. And I think at this point, even in a competitive National League East, if the Phillies are not in the playoffs in some form in 2020, It will be an extreme disappointment. I asked General Manager Matt Clentak this offseason if he thought the team as currently constructed was good enough to win this division. And while he acknowledged it's a great division, he told me last year they won eighty-one games and a ton went wrong. So he looks at the team having added Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius as a team that could potentially be a playoff team in 2020 and compete for a division where there's a very real chance you're gonna need to win ninety-five plus games to win. Now, the best-case scenario for the Phillies to me is probably still shy – Uh, of winning that but it's a a case where in year two Bryce Harper is a little more comfortable if you remember last year he really didn't sign until well into spring training he's more comfortable this year he's in the MVP discussion and the Phillies get massive years from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nolan the starting rotation and that's able to get them 91 92 wins and probably one of the wild card spots maybe even the top one and a chance to host the wild card spot Uh, beyond Those guys, though, they're going to need some arms to step up in the bullpen, especially given the fact that it does not appear Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be ready to start the season as a minimum. And after the top two starters, there are quite a few questions. Now, the worst-case scenario for the team would be a lot of the same things from last year, repeating themselves. And in a competitive division, the Phillies are a team that goes 500 or even a little bit below 500. I find that a hard case to make. Because even though guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez are hurt and there are legitimate questions about the starting rotation, it, it's still hard to see things like Andrew McCutcheon tore his ACL last year. Odubel Herrera, the opening day center fielder, got arrested. It, th- there were just a lot of things that went wrong for the Phillies last year that I don't anticipate going wrong for a second season. Now, that doesn't mean that the Phillies will win the National League East and win the World Series, but I do anticipate that they're going to be better. The, the top position player to watch for the Phillies this season, uh, of course, is Bryce Harper. Now, JT RealMuto was the best overall player on the team a season ago, but to me, Bryce Harper still had a very, very nice first season. He was tremendous defensively, which is something you may miss if you don't watch him on a day to day basis, and I, I really do think there's something. He clicked in the second half after the All-Star break, and as much as he may not have enjoyed watching the Nationals win the World Series this offseason, he got to lay low in the offseason. His first son, uh, Crew, was born in August, and he just seems to be at a very good place mentally, as opposed to last offseason where he didn't know where he and his family would be living, let alone where he would be playing until almost March. So for him to have that stability this offseason, it makes me think he's primed for a 40-plus home run season. The top pitcher to watch isn't necessarily the top pitcher but Zach Wheeler uh, the Phillies spent quite a bit of money on him this offseason because they think he was a very good pitcher for the Mets but didn't reach his ceiling and to me I agree with that assessment that doesn't mean the Phillies are the right team to get the most out of him but ultimately we're going to see what happens I think Aaron Nola and him both need to have excellent seasons for the Phillies to have a legitimate chance to win this division. In play in the playoffs now in terms of rookies who could make impacts this season it really comes down to two guys which is Spencer Howard their top overall pitching prospect and Alec Boehm who's their top overall positional prospect and a natural third baseman Spencer Howard is expected to be on some sort of innings limit but in the second half of the season certainly the Phillies expect him to make an impact for this team in 2020 and he's someone that you have to probably temper expectations for as far as this season but I do expect him to be someone that in 2021 and 2022 is someone that the rest of the sport will have to take notice of he has number one number two type potential in the rotation uh, and then Alec Bohm is someone who looks ready to hit right now the question is whether he's going to be able to stick at third and even if he is able to stick at third what exactly happens to the rest of the Phillies infield you have Gene Segura having shifted to third base because they signed Didi Gregorius and then Scott Kingery's at second base so that's going to be one of the interesting storylines they are in a position this year where Alec Bohm has to kick the door down and I would imagine offensively he's going to do that it's a question of whether they feel he can defend at third base and if they don't what happens to Alec Bohm moving forward my best guess on how this season is going to end for the Phillies is that they are going to finish in third place in the National League East having won about 87 games That could mean you win the second wild card, but right now it feels like they're going to be on the outside looking in, which is going to have impacts on the organizational structure moving forward. So for things to stay as is moving forward, I think the Phillies are going to need to make one or two in-season additions and get closer to 90 wins and back into the postseason.
3: Hello, Phillies fans. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, with a couple of players for you to consider in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. This may not be the loftiest of praise, but 28-year-old catcher JT Real Muto is the best catcher on the board. It's a position with few, if any, stars, and isn't especially deep. So when someone shows up and has more than 530 plate appearances in four straight seasons, has back-to-back seasons with at least 20 home runs and 70 RBIs, and has hit .275 or better in each of the past four seasons, he tends to stand out. Oh, he's practically Ricky Henderson as catchers go, stealing 32 bases in the past four seasons. Now, a player I'm not quite as high on is shortstop Didi Gregorius. He emerged as a nice power threat with the Yankees and had 16 home runs in just 82 games last season, but the rest of his production can be an issue. For example, he doesn't walk and finished with a career-low 276 on base percentage last season. The 30-year-old may be just fine and continue to provide power for the Phillies, but if he continues to show a lack of patience at the plate, the drop-off in production could get rather
1: steep. Aram Leighton hosts Locked On Marlins. That can't be an easy job. What are his thoughts going into this season?
6: How's it going? Aram Leighton here from the Locked On Marlins podcast. Looking forward to this upcoming season. Uh, One or two big storylines this coming year. I think the first one's got to be, it's Lewis Brinson's last chance. Can he figure it out? it's do or die for him at this point of course he was the centerpiece of that christian yelich trade so it already looks like a tough deal for the marlins looks like they got the short end of the stick so if lewis brinson can bounce back he's had his best spring training that he's had so far but we've seen this whole story before so we'll see if he can finally figure it out or if it's time for the marlins to move on and then can the young guys make an impact can the marlins make an improvement this year they are deep into the rebuild but now like derek jeter said it's time to start moving forward. So can they take a step forward and at least improve a little bit this year? The best case scenario for this team, it's probably just to win about 10 or 15 more games. I mean, you, you can't expect this team to to be too great. Um, they're pretty average on paper to below average. But you're looking at a team that is much better than they were last year. Last year, the Marlins started... 14 different guys in the outfield. Now they have a pretty solidified core, at least, of some veterans with Corey Dickerson and Jonathan VR and Jesus Aguilar and some young players coming up through the system. So that should at least give them some continuity and some healthy starters in the rotation with some bullpen additions. They're definitely better than last year, which isn't saying much, but at least it's encouraging. Uh, the worst case scenario would be that those young players that are supposed to be coming up through the system or guys like Lewis Brinson uh, do not pan out. They flop a little bit and some of the veterans either get banged up or don't make the impact that the Marlins were hoping. If that's the case, then the Marlins are in some trouble in terms of maybe another 100 loss season and that would probably be the worst case. I think the Marlins are looking at last place no matter what. But there's a difference between being in last place or losing triple-digit games back-to-back years, which the Marlins have never done before, believe it or not. Uh, The best or most impact player to watch in terms of position players, gotta say it's Jonathan VR. in terms of all the things he can do. He is a utility player that can play second base, play all positions of the outfield, play third, play shortstop even, and he... Has the ability to hit for power. Hit 24 home runs last year, and he's a speedster. Also stole 40 bags, so he is a potential 30-30 type of player. I don't think hold top 30 home runs, but he did say he wants to steal more bags this year. He even threw out the number 70 stolen bases uh, earlier this spring training. If that's the case, that would probably lead the league and be a, a pretty wild number for him, but nonetheless, he's going to put up numbers, and he's going to be a fixture at the top of the order For The Marlins this coming season on the other side of things on the mound. I would say Sandy Alcantara is the pitcher to watch this upcoming season. He represented the Marlins at the all-star game last year. He finished the year very strong and he's looked good in the spring, but you could also make a case for Caleb Smith, who in the first half of the season looked like an ace was a top 30 starting pitcher in baseball very under the radar a southpaw that was putting up great strikeout numbers he got hurt came back and just didn't look 100% and hit the wall a little bit in the second half of the season so Sandy Alcantara was more consistent he looks like he might be the opening day starter though you could make a case for Caleb Smith and you could also make a case for Sixto Sanchez who's coming up through the system and could end up taking the league by storm and taking a hold at the top of the rotation but we'll have to wait and see on that one in terms of young players that kind of leads me into the next part where the young players that can make an impact there's a bunch the marlins are starting to get to that point in the rebuild where the the guys that they acquired the guys that they drafted are getting closer to the show Sixto Sanchez, of course, that's been at the top of the Marlins system, who I just mentioned, is someone they're hoping will be a top of the rotation arm for them for a long time. He is expected to make his debut, barring any injuries or any problems. Monte Harrison, who also came over in that Christian Yelich trade has looked really good in spring training. He can hit for power. He can steal bases. He is a freak athlete, was committed to Nebraska for football and baseball. And the issue for him is punching out too much, but he's an outfielder that has potential for gold glove ability. He is a five-tool type of player. The, The sky's the limit for Monte Harrison. He's just a little bit volatile in terms of the swing and miss stuff. So we'll see if he can get that hit tool as consistent as possible to be effective in the big league. So those two guys could really help the Marlins make a difference this year and take that step forward. But ultimately, my best guess on how the season ends, I really don't see a way where the Marlins are worse than last year. Mentioning those veteran acquisitions, mentioning the fact that the Marlins started 14 different outfielders last year. They've improved every part of their roster it seems like they're going to make a step forward. That doesn't mean I expect them to do anything other than finish in last in the NL East, but that's more of a testament to the fact that the NL East might be one of the best divisions in baseball. But the Marlins are going to be more competitive this year. I think we're getting to the point now where they're not going to be the butt of a joke, which is refreshing, hopefully, at some point, because... I can definitely attest to the fact that the Marlins front office and Marlins fans are tired of the attendance jokes. Uh, they're pretty old and unoriginal, and I think they're very eager to take a step forward and start to show the league that what they're doing is going to work and that the process is starting to unfold in front of everybody so we'll see if the Marlins can start that momentum forward this year I think they'll be a little bit better and let's hope for a very competitive NL East this year from top to bottom
3: with a couple of players for you to consider in the 2020 Major League Baseball season this may not be the loftiest of praise but 28 year old catcher JT Real Muto is the best catcher on the board it's a position with few if any stars and isn't especially deep so when someone shows up and has more than 530 plate appearances in four straight seasons, has back-to-back seasons with at least 20 home runs and 70 RBIs, and has hit 275 or better in each of the past four seasons, he tends to stand out. Oh, he's practically Ricky Henderson, as catchers go, stealing 32 bases in the past four seasons. Now, a player I'm not quite as high on is shortstop Didi Gregorius. He emerged as a nice power threat with the Yankees and had 16 home runs in just 82 games last season. But the rest of his production can be an issue. For example, he doesn't walk and finished with a career-low 276 on base percentage last season. The 30-year-old may be just fine and continue to provide power for the Phillies. But if he continues to show a lack of patience at the plate, the drop-off in production could get rather steep.
1: Thank you, and thank you to all the great hosts of all the great lockdown shows. That's been our preview of the National League East for the 2020 season. Cross your fingers that we get to play this year. Tomorrow, we'll get the National League Central, and there's some really interesting teams going on there. Go to the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app, and when you get home, tell Alexa or whomever your smart device is to play podcast Lockdown MLB or one of the great shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.